when we are doing the will of our true self, we are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. Slither hither, weirdos and witches. My name is Keats Ross, and you're listening to Prague Magic. Although this being his first appearance on Prague Magic, he is a seminal figure in this podcast biography. Not only was he gracious enough to have a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young me on his infamous Alex cast just short of a year ago, but he became a guiding light and fixture for me in this very medium. He's a godfather in the podcasting world, mind you. And, uh, well, it's about time I kissed the ring. In all seriousness, the great Jedi, Alex, and I chat about his hypersigil, his debut novel, Periphery, and what it means to bleed onto the page, mental anguish, and all, to birth a beautiful work from Sordid Affairs. He's created a living, breathing talisman in Periphery, and we chat about how the book is an introductory rite into the realms of magics, constructed with the intention of illuminating constructs and conduits upon each read. And it's, well, it's a damn good narrative, too. I had to cut down the almost two-hour chat sacrificing some of our nerdiest Star Wars jobs only, but you can still hear the full unedited discussion via the We The Hollowed Patreon for just a dollar subscription. That's patreon.com slash we the hollowed. Stay tuned for our live disruption generator reading, celebrating Eric Millar's halfway point in the construction of the oracular device as a bonus episode to be released later this week. Alex, thanks so much for coming down. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Keats. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the invite. <laughs> no, I, I do really appreciate this is an episode of Prag Magic that I have been meaning to get you on for a long time, but you have been gracious enough to host me and the Alex cast. Was this... Uh, We'll call this the Dungeon of Delight. Oh, this How's is this, this is the uh, Echo Chamber Studios. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, although Echo now I've put up sound. I was going to so say, there's not, not much echoes. Oh, I assure you. For, it, for, good, for good reason. It used, to, it used to be, I mean, just hilariously bad. Like, you could not pick a worse room to record something in. I see. Is it like, it's stucco? Like, no, what this is, is this? So this is, the, the wall over here, that's, that's just outside concrete. This house is a 1907 house. Yeah. So, like, the wall on your right is just pure concrete going to the outside so it's echoey shit the floor is just varnished concrete so there's just n- there is nothing remotely absorbent in this room so and this yeah. is a house this is like you have a cool kind of i, I, I want to say a back-end house situation where this is was prior like something else this wasn't a house house was it the upstairs has always been like a proper house down uh-huh. here was just a you know, a basement. So yeah, I just basically just rented a basement that they threw some shitty walls up in oh, and said it was awesome. an apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's very Portland. Just walking around um, Lads earlier on my way over was, which we've talked about. I mean, you've talked about uh, this area being very um, occult laden. Oh yeah, way. yeah. Uh, I got a breath of autumn for the first time. That's why I was wondering if the last time I was here. Was it in autumn because it, I had that weird remembrance of, 
oh my god, things are getting warmer. You it, know, <laughs> it, you know, it probably yeah, it probably was in the yeah. fall last last year here. I don't remember when we did that episode, but it's it's been a Thank spell. God. So yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank God it's documented, right? Yeah, but I don't remember. I mean, at least on the on the Alex cast, which I have to keep reminding myself that this is your show right now. Is I never. I, no, this is your show. I live in the I, when I do a podcast, I make it a point of like it's one of the few times I can do like mindfulness meditation where I'm so in the moment doing podcasts where I don't remember a fucking thing that happened. Yeah. Like if you if you quiz me afterwards, I might you know not a thing. Like I might remember vague topics and stuff. Like if someone says, "Oh, I really like that line," don't remember it. Don't know. Like. It's gone. Like I'm, I'm there for it. So yeah, yeah. I let. So I just, it's immediately forgotten. And I've also done like 400 episodes of the show, so they all blend into one long slog. You're, uh, <laughs> you're big papa caster of pods. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine there's someone in Portland that's done more podcasts than I have. No, but, like yeah. you are legit grandfather podcaster. I, it's probably the the most legit one that I know. You know, because you've been. I mean, yeah, you said. Wait, you're on like 300. What is it? <laughs> K-L? No, no. The, last, M? Uh, the next episode is 300P, I think. Ooh. All right. Or maybe it's 300. It's O or P. Okay. And so you probably didn't number the first season, so that was probably like season zero, right? <laughs> well, no. They, they, were, they were numbered originally, and then they went away, and then they came. It's a long time. Yeah. So I started, when I started the Outcast, it was... Uh, um, there weren't podcasts like <laughs> there was like three people doing them, so no one knew what the fuck podcasts were. So like the first like I think I think it was thirty eight that I pulled off the feed, uh, which are now available on my Patreon. If anybody wants to listen to, like, I was just gonna bring that up. Uh, yeah. And I mean the first thirty eight are unfucking listable. Maybe like the first <laughs> ten are unlistable, and then they slowly. But like especially now when people know what podcasts are, it's just some fucking weirdo in a really bad mic talking, and I've got a background music track. Like it's it's this weird thing that like. It's almost like watching, uh, watching like the, like, like the original like Edison f- films, where it's like, yeah, right. I recognize the this elephant is, and the yeah, and it's the like, midgets. Yeah, like yeah. I recognize this as being this is a movie. Sorry, uh, little persons. Excuse but me. it's not eh, at the time they're called that. That's right, the, right. you know, I, yeah. I think historically you're not as horrible for using that word. <laughs> Walking on peanut shells here. Yes. Um, yeah. So like <laughs> the the original shows are very much like those awful, uh, you know, Thomas Edison terrible movies where it's like i sort of recognize this as the thing that will turn into a recognizable right. deal it's the hope thing you're like you're witnessing okay i can see this fleshing out into something great yeah i mean yeah. i don't i don't even know if we can say hope for back then because no one knew what the fuck a podcast was. Well, yeah, that's true i can't stress enough how how just there was no one <laughs> well let's talk about that that's a great place to start because boy do i have questions about it um since you were on the precipice of when everything was starting with this podcasting phenomenon uh how did you what what brought you to podcasting because coming from a writer's background i feel like it is a weird it's a strange leap that me you eric other writers i know have taken and i wonder what that tether is to podcasting from a writer's perspective well i mean i can't speak for anybody else but for me it was a direct line of i had moved to uh the west coast from the east coast Mm -hmm. and i used to do a lot of uh open mic and and sometimes paid poetry reading. That's when I went to school for and what I used to write, which is all poetry. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I moved out here and I, I fell out of the scene and I wanted to get back into it. And I had heard of a podcast. Uh, one of my friends had, d- had done a test one. And I went, oh, this is a good idea. So instead of wandering around to open mics with people I don't know, I'll just do this random podcast thing where the idea was I'll turn the po- I'll turn it on, see if I can talk for 30 minutes uninterrupted. And then read a poem or something at the end. So get reaccustomed to speaking in public, you know, with a less impactful thing. Yeah. And I then I ended up trying to go to some open mic stuff here. And, and I just the, the poetry here was just all the style I don't like. Where My roommate, Weed. No, I wouldn't mind. I, that would be fine, actually. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sorry. That's stand-up comedy. No, but you... I'd be happy with that because th- I've yeah. actually been to poetry readings where a lot of it was very much like that. Yeah. This was that like kind of violent, uh, not violence, the wrong word, uh, like the aggressive kind of deaf poetry jam style. Sure, sure. Where it's like, it's much more performative than like, I like kind of like literary poetry. Right. And, like well, words. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that, it's not that that style lacks it. It's just, that's not the main focus. 
Right, it's more of a performance art than it is spoken. Yeah. Right, yeah. So not taking anything away from the art. It's just, it's not the one that I like. So I was like, I kind of stuck. So, so what you're saying right. is they're all terrible. Is that, is that what you're saying on the record? That's that's what I'm intimating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask too, because you're, yeah, the, the structure of your writing is very poetic, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, what's interesting to me is how you s- developed podcasting or you developed within podcasting in a way that I'm kind of doing in reverse. So... Uh, you were the one that told me that you're not a podcaster unless you do an episode of you just speaking uh, for 30 minutes or so uninterrupted. And I took that to heart because it, it really is like the biggest uh, hurdle yeah. for this medium. And it's something that I, you know, kind of paste on my wall and like look forward to like when's the next one and I treat very preciously. But you have been doing it as... You know, you're putting yourself out there. Uh, when did the interviews start coming in? When did it start becoming more of a collaborative thing? In well, a way? I uh, I don't remember who the first one was, but actually, my current my so I do another I do a movie podcast called John and Alex Hate right. Stuff, and John uh, I he's one of those people that like this is going to sound pathetic, and thankfully he'll never listen to this. But he's one of those people <laughs> that are like I like really wanted to be friends with. Like you you very rarely meet that type when you're like an adult. Sure. But I was sure. like in my you know my my early thirties or whatever, and it's like oh this guy's great. like this is a person I need to be. So like I need to impress him. So like he when I started the show and started thinking about having other people on, I'm like oh I gotta have John on. Like this is somebody I need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so I had like my kind of local interesting friends on. So and, it was just kind of, you know, just bullshitting a bit. It wasn't more like uh, concept driven or wasn't. No, uh, yeah, it was it was just kind of message, just the people that I found interesting. Yeah, and yeah. And I started to, I don't even know how I got the first person on that, like, I didn't really know. It just kind of, it happened. And it's not like I've done a shitload of interviews with people I don't know, but I've done, you know, a fair amount over the years. But, but um, you, you managed to build a base just with your voice. Yeah, I mean, the original Outcast show was... Um, those first terrible episodes, I was like number one in comedy on a couple of like really important services back then. So like, uh, that's what, legit. I mean, I totally believe it. Yeah, so I totally believe it. When the, when like I so like basically when po- podcast got popular, I was like I had an audience almost by default because like all these people were dragged along into when you know famous people started having podcasts and then you know right. the whole world starts changing yada yada. But I started having famous not famous people but like people of note on. I I mean, frankly, I think. Just somebody emailed me at one point and said, hey, can I come on and pitch my shit? And it's like, oh, like real yeah. people want to come. On. All right, I guess I will. And for a while I was getting, you know, emails from weird publishing houses and just strange right. producers. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, I want to talk to this guy. It's like, really? You're approaching me? Like, this is, yeah, yeah this is cool. So if you build it, they will come. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and then, of course, it's me. So I, you know, kind of burned it down. But now, you know, now I'm doing it again. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was going to ask, too, is just from, a, you know, inside baseball kind of thing about booking. And I don't know what sports ball is, but uh, but, you know, about booking podcasts. Has it it's been for me, too, that people reach out that yeah. people want, you know, there's not there's a lot less booking than you would think. It's a lot of, hey, I want to do this. Cool. When are you free? Next week. Sweet. We'll do it then. Yeah. Know? And I, I, I'm not trying to be a premonition of doom for you, but that right. was what it was like for me for a while. Uh-huh. And then I had to start reaching out to people. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's to... still that. Like anyone yeah. anyone that uh, – I've, I've definitely done half of the work, but it's just been so enlightening to me that, yeah. you know, people – because why wouldn't you? You know, if uh, back in my music days and my salad days, as it were, <laughs> no salad um, – I would be reaching out to people, you know, to promote myself and to do things. And I forgot about that aspect, that it goes both ways on that. Yeah. It, though for me at some point, the kind of – it's not like the well dried up, but like you kind of have to – it goes both ways. So like <laughs> yeah. I stopped – like I also stopped reaching out to people like uh, that like I'd had on before that like I could easily have done another interview with. But I just – I certain there's a certain amount of I just don't feel like it, like it's been done. And then it's right. like you get a lot of these um, – and it's nothing wrong with that, but like it's just my. I have a really good attention span, uh-huh. to, but I don't have a good attention span to similar things. So like, if I have somebody on to talk about, I don't know, a certain aspect of paranormal, let's say, like, uh, right. oh, we're talking about ghosts, just to pull it out of my ass, doesn't matter, just a ghost person. If another, now somebody wants to come on, that's a uh, somebody that's into seances and ancient ghost stuff. Right. I just, I, I, Sub, I feel subcategories. Like I've already done it. Like, yeah. And it's not like there was, there's more stuff there. This is a failing of me as a host, but it's like, 
eh, I don't want to. And the problem is when you do enough episodes, there's only so much to go around. You know, there's only so yeah. many topics. And it's just one of these kind of, uh, so I just started, you know, talking to my friends more again. And then I got tired of doing that. And you know, <laughs> and I think that's what keeps you such a valuable player in this game is like, and why it's so refreshing about the Alex cast too, is that you can tell that the guests are on because you're interested in the guests. It's not just a promotion machine. It's not just, hey, you know, uh, you reached out to me. Let's do this, I guess. You know, yeah. it's very much like you'll have there's no rhyme or reason a lot of the times, but there are tethers to your interests only. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's I mean, that's it, I joke around that this is the most egotistical podcast in the world. Yeah. Called it Alex cast, but which isn't true. It's just again, I started. Right. When, Mine is a close second. Then. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> no, so you have no excuse. I started I got, not to keep blaming it on how long I've been around. No, there please were, do. That's there, a, that's a that's a badge yeah, that's they, worth. There weren't any podcasts back then. So right. I didn't, how the hell am I supposed to know what to call a podcast? They didn't. There was right. four of them. The, like the only show I remember listening to back then was Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. And this was. Keep on. This is not the Joe Rogan of now. Like it is, it, it was a very different show at that time. Um, and yeah, no, that's. I just want to tur- turn the ugh down. It was mostly just him dicking around with his comedian friends. There wasn't it, right, and it, yeah, no, there's a place yeah, for that. It still, was so yeah. different from the current show. So I just, I don't want to cite him. In no, his, I, in his and current, I'm not at all. I just yeah. mean, yeah. No, his current form is he's an abomination. He's he's embarrassing. He's yeah. he's he's yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah. So the uh. uh yeah, that's why I like having just – there was this guy on um, – I'll just call him my name because it's not his fault. The guy, Brian Gadawa, mm-hmm. who I had him on once because I had Michael Heiser on. The uh, He's this guy, he's one of the guys that debunked Zachariah Sitchin, you know, the oh, uh, sure. Ancient Aliens guy. So yeah, Michael yeah. Heiser came on. He was on Ancient Aliens Debunk. He was on the actual Ancient Aliens show. And he's he's a debunker because he's – he can – he, like, knows how to translate shit. And he dunks the bunks. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's just debunking all over the place. Mm-hmm. Dropping, dropping DB bombs. All oop and – yeah, other sports words I know, but uh, <laughs> so then like you know this guy Brian Gadawa invited himself on. Uh, that's not shitty. He sent out feelers because he invited <laughs> himself on. They, they know each other, and he's like a fiction writer about kind of similar stuff. And I talked to him okay. once. I'm like, oh yeah, this was fine. And then I forget if he came on two or three times, but the last time I was just kind of like slogging through and just like, oh yeah, so what's the... and it's not even like the interview sounds Fuck that aliens, bad. am I right? <laughs> but it was this like. I just I was just doing it because of it. I was like, oh, this is this is uninteresting to me. And I, I don't think the interview sounds bad. I think it's fine. But it's just, I you know, it, it's not like I'm making money off of this. Like I'm donating my own time, right, energy, right. and 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 well, frankly, my money to do this fucking thing. I don't I don't need to slog through an hour of you know the same guy that's been on fourteen other shows that week. You know? Yeah, and yeah, I agree. Not to you know slag uh, Joe Rogan at all because I am a fan of the inside comedy circuit. You know stuff but i feel that there's a bit of that happening now within the occult especially in podcasting there's a bit of we're getting characters uh that leap and everybody else's kind of you know occult paradigm or whatever as far as podcasting is concerned and and we're you know showcasing uh characters like almost like stand-up comics are in the joe rogan realm back in the day like, I feel like it's getting that prevalent that we're being, uh, and it's fun, you know? Yeah, I and mean, it, I, I don't know if I agree with the fun part, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, what, what, what's not fun about it? I just, I'm not a fan of the kind of, I, this is going to sound pretentious as shit, I don't mean no, it this please, way, but yeah. like, it, I like substance. Oh, well, and yeah, when, yeah. And when, when it turns into kind of cult of personality, yeah. which, which is what happens when anything gets popular, yeah, it naturally moves away from substance, and right. it, and it becomes talking points and like like safe dialogue. Sure, and th- it's not that that's not interesting, but like I've done enough reading that that's not interesting anymore. Right, I know it's not for me, but like you know, and this is one of those kind of whining like when I grew up, you know, being a nerd meant something moments where yeah, being part no, of the absolutely. Cult used to, I was thinking about that today. Yeah. Like, being part of the occult, you used to have like this this shorthand, and now it's starting to move towards like not that it's so popular, but like now that there is getting it's an kind of, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, it's an aesthetic, yeah. and it's and it's difficult to kind of. I mean, I think that, that that's what I meant. There. It was that you know, like we are now so inundated that there are characters that we can. There are Carlos Mencias of the occult. Yeah, and but the thing you is, know? but yeah, <laughs> to me the, that's fun. And, and see, you know? that just bothers me. Too. There, 
they're the ones that get popular, and it becomes just like <laughs> right. And right. now, but those are the ones that like the normies hear of. So they, yeah, like, but that's the whole point, you know. Like yeah. it, it took me a while to kind of realize, and honestly, like who gives a fuck, you know? Like to me, anyway, like my idea of it, because it's something I wrestle with all the time. I, I I get up in arms a lot about people that are peddling things and peddling yeah. things that are so beyond the a realm of like self understanding or you know and it i i get up in arms about it and then i remember you know what you know people have said to me people that i look up to and it's all like you know who gives a fuck they're kind of weeding them out for you in a way you know that's i mean that is a point i yeah. just i come from the other side where it makes as somebody that enjoys this stuff it makes it harder to find sure. the things i enjoy and then as someone who, who who as a creator yeah if i'm associated with the occult the esoteric the weird which i am right it's much harder for me to come out and get my work noticed because there's this <laughs> vast sea of kind of of carlos mencias you know right. of, of, yeah, of, yeah. of of yuri keller you know <laughs> yeah occult mencias and there's it's just like this and it's it's more i mean it's it's and there are some that are deep in the fabric that we both know well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, there's there's writers that I respect that do it. Like, yeah. there's people that you see turn the corner and go, oh, now I'm trying to make money. And it's, I'm not, it's not like the hating, it's that hate the player, don't hate the player, hate the game thing where it's like, I don't, I don't begrudge them. Go make your money. It just, no, no. It but just in the occult, for, yeah, don't just, hate the game. Hate the player. You know? No, because I mean the thing is, I complaining that I have to show up to work five yeah. days a week. I have like no fucking energy left to do the the stuff I want to do. Not no energy, but like it'd be so much easier for me to be creative. It'd be so much more fruitful if I didn't have to like sell my soul to the machine Monday through Friday. And which is the most like unadulterated, straight to use the term again, tether to what this all means yeah. anyway. So when yeah. so when they're kind of, you know, they get to get away with it. Like they get yeah. out of the they get off the the wheel by nefarious means i, I like it is nefarious it, right. so i kind of yeah. but i hate like the games like it's the game like it's it's not their fault they did it right i'm the one unwilling to no, you see, know <laughs> i think that's wrong i think that's wrong in the sense that i think you're doing it right and i think it is a hate the player situation i think it is reverse in the way because the game is not is not that you know the the true game is being played wrong i guess is maybe what i but the problem is the the true game you still have to break your back at work Monday through Friday. I love you it. Come like from two money. sportsless people are using yeah. sports. You know what's funny? No, I <laughs> midway through this, I started to think about board games, and I understood the metaphor. <laughs> okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, um, yeah, I was looking at that yeah. because, because it's you know it's like I'm still breaking my back on the wheel where it's yeah. like and I'm uh, sorry yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry uh, <laughs> would be a great metaphor. Yeah. Instead of I know I know more about the game of sorry than I do baseball. But yeah. Yeah, so I still have to show up Monday through Friday, and they don't. So it's like, I mean, who's really... I mean, yeah, you're kind of being a dick and selling your soul a bit and repeating bullshit, you know, nonsense phrases to get popular. But also, yeah. you don't go to work Monday through Friday. So, like, there's yeah. there's a definite, like... There's like, a rubric. Yeah, like, yeah. they're doing something right. Like, it's like, I never forgot somebody that writes a pop song to sell their album where it's like... Yeah, that's they're not, working. That's yeah. not your music, but you did it. You you sold the pop song, so it's like, oh yeah, you you figured out that you know talking about uh, whatever conspiracy or whatever paranormal stuff yeah. gets people to talk to you and so, you know buy your book that you put no work into. Then you know that's the one that kills me the most. Is there's a lot of like paranormal, esoteric, magical community that their writing is is dog shit, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they just have like like titillating covers and titles and like they they just use big magic words and expect people to not get it and think they're magic they're like yeah. they're all like these wannabe crowleys where i know crowley knew a bunch but the guy was a shitty writer like he just he he, he wrote like it's muddy on purpose yeah, and, yeah i feel like they're all biting their pinky like ooh me yeah, yeah. and it's uh, <laughs> just and it just everybody and they just just is gross and i'm sitting here trying to like i'm craft naughty yeah. yeah oh god yeah. oh yeah oh and the whole left hand sexy magic thing where it's just like yeah i mean it's not nothing hey magic is sexy no, no but that's it, fine yeah not i mean this, the yeah i mean the girl that happens to be she would be attractive if she was blonde hair and a kardashian or whatever right. oh i'm he i'm a left-hand path person and, and don't even just i shouldn't just say girl god actually, marjorie cameron <laughs> sit down but but guys are uh, just as big of a, a purveyor of this too like uh, if i think you're the half, most the halfway the handsome heaviest. of a guy you're, yeah. you're uh, everything thanks is jack parsons yeah thank yeah. you jack parsons especially with this uh you know new 
huge wave of uh, iconography that Jack Parsons is having. Yeah. I mean, not only has the show come out, but, um, you know, Sean Lennon and Les Claypool just put out this concept record that is literally about Jack Parsons. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's like, it's so in the social conscious and like, so I did the lyrics, you know, for my job, which that's all I'll say about what I do for a living. But I uh, edited the lyrics for uh, the Sean Lennon, Les Claypool, Jack Parsons song. It's, you know, and in it, they talk about, you know, the AA. Yeah. And they talk about, you know, becoming friends with Crowley and they, they, they like they're just hitting the surface and i'm like wow it has hit a fever pitch well like this shit has hit a fever pitch and people are just like randomly throwing out the aa you know i don't disagree with your point but i think the person you chose is the worst one because literally his dad had an album where alistair crowley was on the cover oh sure i mean yeah he is from a lineage of weirdos but but no i i I would say your rolling stones were bigger than that yeah no but but your your point is very well made it is 100 percent it is in the like that fucking supernatural show has been on for 30 years that entire thing is just full of like a cold like you know uh, uh, just little bits and bits and bobs you know thrown together so tell me when did it get comfortable for you to kind of because I know it it there is like a weird coming out kind of phase when it comes to this stuff for a lot of us kind of people that come from impoverished backgrounds and you know are well read or self educated like I feel that there is not to you know liken it to coming out in other ways but there is this weird way of like being proud and out loud about the occult when did that happen with the Alex cast. I don't, I don't know if I ever was in the closet about that. Yeah. I, I had this kind of idea when the show started to pick up, or maybe, maybe it was in before I put out the first episode, but very, very, very early on, I had the phrase warts and all of, I am not going to hold back from the audience about. Yeah. It's like a Dogma 95 thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried it. So I don't know that I was ever, I don't know if I was ever like a hundred percent. I mean, I think at some point I got a little, I think I got a little more comfortable talking about it, but only because I knew the audience would hang out for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my original, originally I didn't talk about it so much, but I think there's just more that I wasn't sure if people would stick around. Uh, and then, cause during the old episodes of the show, I used to end it with a, with a tarot reading, like, um, so it's always kind of been a, a through line. So I don't know. So if how would you do that tarot reading? Is it tarot reading for yourself? You know, much in the way that nearly 10 years in, I don't know if you capitalize the T in the Alex cast. Right. Every time I did the reading, I went, I don't really know what I'm reading for right now. I just basically flipped over a few cards. I and, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the thing, the thing that actually I came out more on the show about, and, and, it, and I think this is directly related to magic, is I had referenced being depressed over the years. Yes. But at some point I actually like... I decided to allow the actual story to come out. So, like, you know, I've talked about, like, you know, suicidal ideation. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where, where, like, how deep it went and, like, you know, kind of the help I've needed and the, the things I've gone through or whatever. Yeah. That was a much more, for me, the coming out thing of, like, instead of just making a vague reference to that kind of, you know, artistic melancholia right. that we all have, to be like, no, I actually have, like, a... Severe, severe, like, I have a mental, yeah, like, yeah, I have, yeah. like, a mental health disorder that's... Yeah, you know, me too. Yeah, you know, what the doctor has said, you have these words instead of just like, oh, you know, your life's a bit of a bummer or, you know, hey, you wear black and like poetry. You're naturally going to be of a mopey disposition, <laughs> which I mean, I think I probably would be anyway, even if my brain worked. It is wearing your well. heart on the sleeve. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. 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 I was talking, you know, our friend Eric, my alchemical bromance, I was talking to him about, you know, when magic comes into play in somebody's life. And I asked him point blank because I felt weird. I felt almost ashamed that to use magic through desperation. And he was like, no, that's when you use it. Yeah. You know, and that's when it comes through. And I was like, I think that helped me realize where it comes from in a way of, like, unadulterated honesty, you know? Yeah. And I see that a lot in your in your art, especially, and in Periphery, your book, which is your first and only uh, 
full-length novel? Yeah, that's the only full-length novel I have out. Yeah, and so I wanted to jump into that because there is a lot of parallels to kind of what I'm going through in writing my first one and this funny parallel about these fantastical stories about rebirth. Yeah. And, like, I just wanted to know where you were at in your life when you started constructing Periphery. Well, I... Does that tie into the Depression a bit? I mean, depression has a through line, but actually, oh, sure. the yeah. through line in Periphery, weirdly enough, is what we're talking about is magical. So right. th- the idea behind Periphery, uh, without giving spoilers away... I, is, I was going to ask what your elevator pitch was. Well, I mean, the elevator pitch is basically, you know, a, a guy, you know, a, 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 our hero enters into a an alternate universe, mm-hmm. or does he? Kind of. That's a terrible elevator pitch. I've never been good at these. I was going to say, but, it's it's like a fish out of water, but it's an odd, what I call an odd job yeah. story. So, yeah. so, so the, okay, so, the, I mean, this isn't the elevator pitch, but the, the reason, be, the, the thing behind Periphery, and what you're picking up on, is this. is The idea of Periphery is, you read the book once, and it's an initiatory rite. It yeah. is literally written as a magical initiatory rite. If you s- read the entire book, stopped, turned around, and started reading the book again, there are things in the books that to to use the magical phrase you did not have the eyes to see when right. you read it the first time. They were in your periphery. Yeah. So when you read it now, yeah. you have been initiated into the concept of the book and how it works. Turning around and reading again immediately, there is an embedded not necessarily like another story, but there is a lot going on that you did not have the ability to know was going on when you read it the first time. Yeah. And th- that is not the total point of the book. But for like magical people, that's the point of the book is is I'm mimicking a magical initiation. Absolutely, it's an initiatory ceremony. And honestly, yeah. it it unfolds like in the way a you know esoteric upbringing would, which yeah. is the more deep you're into it, the less you kind of know what's happening, in a way. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. As as the narrative moves on, there's not necessarily weirder elements, but like, no, no, the, it's yeah. it's 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 understandable. But yeah. it's like, yeah, you can see where Johnny, who is the protagonist, is kind of thrust into a psychic, kind of uh, hellish vortex of, you know, his own shit mirrored, and so it's 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 a really beautiful kind of rebirth story. That's kind of how I took it. But it's also what I think is like what your what I'm reading into it and the first time I'm reading into it because that's where I am in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's there. I mean, that's yeah. part of, I mean, again, going back to initiatory magic is you don't go into, into initiatory magic because everything is going well, you know? Well, like, yeah, the desperation. It, like, yeah, 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 like you were saying, desperation. So the thing with magic, and this is something that I don't remember who said it the first time. It is not a unique phrase, but I don't remember. The point is, the phrase is, Magic is very effective. It is also the hardest way to do anything. Right. Is that it's nearly impossible and it'd be dumb to do it another way. Like money magic, the best way to do money magic is to go back to school, get a yes. get a, get a BA because it is the the, yeah. the way to affect the universe through actual magic is so difficult that it's almost nonsense yeah. to do there's it. There's that analogy. Why would you learn to walk on water when there's a boat? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um the initiatory process like that where, you know, you don't really go through it because everything's going great. I mean, I guess some people do, but, you know, you get the idea. So that's, yeah, yeah. Periphery is coming from a place of, of you know, like it's that um, the thing with, with alchemy is it, it, it's Sawe et Coagula. That's like, what it you know, is. Like yeah, solution yeah. and like kind of reconfiguration. Which, that's absolutely yeah. what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a self-alchemy. Uh, and that's what the thing I'm working on right now is has always been i've been working on it for 10 years and it's it's just funny to see the parallels of like how i want to know where it came from you like where were you that you felt like you needed to put it in artistic terms like what needed to kind of change what needed to alchemize that's not a word yeah. but you know <laughs> well i mean for so for me uh you know what 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 maybe want to turn my baser lead into the yes. more purified gold uh i was I mean, to give the the short version of of things is what I was kind of hanging my hat on. Uh, my life path went to shit. It didn't work. Um, right. So when I went to school for it kind of failed, things didn't work out. And I'd m- moved to the other side of the country as kind of a last-ditch effort to kind of – maybe I wasn't at last-ditch yet, but as an attempt to kind of rebuild myself and, like, figure out what I want to do in, in a different place. And I'd been, I'd been in Portland for long enough that, you know – that last ditch effort seems to not have been working. Like, right. I, you know, I'm kind of, I was almost kind of out of ideas almost of how to, 
You like know, the like, Hail Mary almost. Yeah. Like the the everything still hurts. Like I don't know. Like it's one of these kind of almost Yeah, you know, just, it's, it's not the place, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the this idea as well of like not not to say I was thinking about offing myself, which I mean it certainly was. I do it all the time, but like sure. <laughs> There's a certain thing of like. I well, don't mean to laugh. I, do you, I agree. Yeah. Well, no, I said it in a flipping way. I mean, it's just yeah, you have yeah. to be. You know, it's when you're, when your brain works like this. Why? Oh yeah. Why be dour about being dour? I wrote it yeah. today. I was like, you know, when your humor gets so dark that it suicide uh, becomes a punchline rather than a surrender. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. what. Yeah. I, I so see. I was at this kind of at that point, and um, I, I, you know, I've always been writing. I've always wanted to write a book, and it just kind of. Not that I was putting everything behind it, but I was kind of putting that book as like a, at least I did this sort of thing. Like I can at least, at least I, I turned what no one should go through. And that's not a woe is me. I mean that like no, universally, yeah. like depression is a, is, is. It's a fickle broad. Yeah. But uh, no, I was going to say it's <laughs> fucking bullshit and this is unfair and I feel bad for everybody that goes through it. This, yeah, absolutely. This is a yeah. garbage fire and it's nonsense that, that we were saddled no with No rhyme or reason. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm fine with like good old fashioned French existentialist depression. That's sure. fine. But like proper medical depression. Fuck. Trust fund yeah. depression. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm kind of fine with that. I just wish I had a trust fund. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was writing periphery in that like in that mindset of, you know, <sighs> Not that I, I don't know that I would have put it into those words, but it is like kind of dissolution of self and rebuilding that like at that point, I'm now a novelist in a very strict sense. Mm-hmm. I've written a novel. I published it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I went to a publishing house or whatever, but like I, it's out there. It's no, the it is legit. Humans yeah. read it like a significant number of humans read it. I mean, significant enough for a weird ass book that no one's heard of, you know, read it like it, it's there in the ether. And I think that's a. As as a kind of as an artist writing an art about initiatory process, like coming yeah. out the other side, is you are different. You come out of the cave after the yeah. you know, after the mystical experience. Wipe your eyes and you're like I'm a you know I'm a different. You person. engineered yeah. a new life with a novel. Yeah, yeah, and I engineered a magical work because that book had weird magic with it after it came out. I can out. tell. Yeah, there's very kabbalistic, hermetic. Uh, things in it, which I don't know if you were um, astute in any of that stuff when you wrote it, but it seems like uh, very laden with uh, very interesting things. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I was astute, but I, I, I knew I knew then what I know now. Yeah. So if you think I know stuff now, I, I knew it back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like I've read about all this stuff for so many years that like, right. you know, but uh, for yeah, like f- for what's hidden in there it is meant to be magical, but I more mean like literally the magical act. Like, so when it came out, I started having pictures being sent to me of the internet of people finding random orange dinosaurs, which is this little subplot right. in the book. Yeah, and yeah. people started sending pictures. This guy, Mateo, who I, he has no reason to lie. I totally trust the guy. Yeah. Found one in his house that he, he didn't buy it. It's not, Weird. there's no reason for it to be in his house. Like it, a fucking orange dinosaur manifested itself in his house. I was going to say, my like, thought with it was the uh, origami unicorn Blade Runner. Yeah, totally. Somebody yeah. else has made that. It made that. Not sorry, I didn't mean to sound like ooh, somebody else did that. Yeah, okay. I, well, I, I meant that in an excited <laughs> way, like oh, somebody else did. Like I love that idea. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's it, it's weird because I found them since then. Like I put that in the universe. That's and so cool. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, I mean, to me, that is like the apex of everything that I'm interested in. That is like literally creating your own mythology and it bleeding into reality there's nothing finer you know well and it became this other thing of like kind of the find the others moment where yeah there were these it's a beacon yeah yeah, there were these other kind of there were people that got put together and and it's this is kind of part of the alex cast is a magical thing as well where i have been in my life this kind of weird middle gear between groups like i've always had this like um like this kind of connective, t- I've always been connective tissue between disparate things mm-hmm. and periphery and Alex has did that as well. We're all of a sudden these groups kind of smashed together that never would have met each other. And like these wellsprings happened. It's not like any of them would go, Oh, we met because of periphery, but it's like, since I was there watching, it's like, yeah, that's what happened. You met because of, per- you know, you created and, a conduit. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, that's, yeah. if I have any kind of unique, you know, metaphysical power, which I don't, but if I did, that would be it. Is... That's so funny. That's uh, exactly what my father has said his superpower was. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, it was being a conduit between people. Yeah. Or it's... like between things. Yeah. It's always it's just always been that way with me. Like I, I, yeah. I feel the same. Yeah, that's that's amazing. 
That's yeah. amazing. I wonder where. So where did where 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 like what was your regimen? What was your routine in writing something like this? Was this kind of like an after a nine to five sort of thing? Just kind of when you could, or was there an yeah. actual ritual to it? No, it was when I could. Um, yeah. The as it should. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not great at like kind of. Uh, I'm good at time management, but I'm terrible at like submitting to schedule. So like. Yeah, you me know, too. Lord, do I yeah. try. So. There were certain kind of ritualistic aspects, like there was a coffee shop I went to and I wrote a ton at. Um, I edited at a certain bar when it got to when it got to the end of the book, and I had like a printout. And I love editing by, you know, pen and paper. So print out the book, yeah, and cross it out, and write notes. And I just feel like that. Me too. Yeah. Sees the world differently. Um, but I mean, as far as like that, no, I, the the main kind of ritual aspect, oddly, and it's not that odd, but like I'm not good at naming. Never been. So naming a book and chapter headings. Oh, really? Uh, they, uh, they, they, I was going to say, that's kind of what I get off on. I love, like, one of my favorite things is to, to name. And, like, the names in the book seem so intentional. And the it's a many-chaptered book. And, like, the the subtitle chapters of the uh, the book seem very, like, fun. Like, it was... I, yeah, it, you kind of wrote like that was the outline of what's coming. Oh no, thank you. Yeah, but that was that was if there's any yeoman's work in that, it is <laughs> or it's those like I just I'm terrible. That's I mean some were natural uh, that just I I knew what the chapter was and just the title sprang, but like there was a lot of it that like it, it was just just painful to go through, especially even just naming the book. Like I yeah. just I mean it was like. I was done. I was 100% done with every single thing. You were vexed. And I just yeah. couldn't, I tried to find a title and I'm still not entirely happy with Periphery as a title, but like, it's, it's, it's all That's right. That's great. Yeah. No, I mean, and it works with the narrative of how, when you gave me the book, you told me that it's something, you know, and like every author says this to a degree at some point, oh, it's, you know, it's to be reread. But with you, I could see the intention and within the title, I saw the intention like it, when I was reading it with keeping the title in mind, it was like, let's keep my let's side eye yeah. every instance that's happening. Because when I do reread it, I know that that shit's going to connect. Yeah. There's yeah. Th- there's one that I give away because I don't think it's like the most plot oriented thing. But, Which um, one? So at one point, uh, uh, John is sitting at a bar just kind of like being pissed at himself and uh-huh. he's about to run into Hephaestus. It's a, a, another character in the book. I should explain this to the audience. But John's our main character. Hephaestus is kind of this um, uh, like teacher a, guru yeah. character, uh, but, you know, slightly more, not to give anything away. But anyway. This is Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Obi-Wan. Perfect. Um, so John's at a bar drinking and then he's about to run into Hephaestus. But John, at some point while he's there, coughs on invisible dust. It's just yeah. a throwaway line. Now, do you remember later in the book, John is in what might be the same bar that's been shut down forever, and he coughs on very visible dust. And it's the two scenes mirrored to each other. Uh. So it's one of those things where until you read that second scene, that cough is just as innocuous. Oh, Alex just wrote him coughing for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But now it's at least, you know, no. in the second reading, it's, oh, wait a second. Is this the same scene? You know, are we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, I, I see, I see that a bit. I miss, I miss that one. Oh, on that's why I use that one because it's, it's innocuous. But right, it's, right, right. It, it's a, an example of upon second reading. There's a lot of these little tiny, like little things that it's. There's no reason for you to have picked up on it until the second read. You're like, oh, now that he's given me the eyes to see it, now I see this in a yeah, different manner. I love know? it, and the, yeah, that's exactly the. Well, that's why the title works so beautifully. But I was talking with Eric Miller. He read the book. To Eric Miller, you know, artist extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the disrupt, disruption generator. Who, yes, yeah. which hopefully we'll be doing something with at the end here. Yeah. But um, he, who you're working with the comic kind of thing with. Yeah, yeah, we're going to start doing a comic book. Well, yeah. what's, what's incredible about that is when Eric and I were talking about Periphery, I was like, you know, I wonder if Alex has ever scripted a comic book. Have you ever scripted a comic book? Yeah, the one he's doing. Like, okay. The reason this... So you know what you know what uh, like you you know what the layout is, right? No, you know? The way Periphery is written, I read like I was reading a script a script of a comic book, which is brilliant in a way. Except without the panel, you know, uh, jurisdiction, yeah. it is very the narrator, which won't give anything away, but like the narrator is very like, um, like outline poetic. Enough, very succinct, very uh, small paragraph, like just to kind of thrust you in the story, 
It uses a lot of like rhyme and and cool things to like narrative structure, but it is very much like not a old fashioned you know narrative or a third person narrative. No, it's I mean the. the Part of it is is it's written in a well, I mean I, not to give too much away, but yeah, it's written in yeah. that purposely where right. I do a lot of um, not to use any kind of good example. Like <laughs> he walked to the door, he found himself at the door. He did the where normally you're not supposed to repeat like a couple. Right. You're not supposed to repeat lines at the beginning, but like I try to do it with like a, like to the point that you're getting like we're actually in a like because again going back to I, we haven't mentioned it but like you know that whole hero's journey thing which yes. I was going to say before is like I think that's what you're picking up too that yeah, all journeys is, are the thing and the that Campbell yeah, is that Campbell. is that cycle and right. I tried to do that a lot with like kind of the verbiage of it to kind of it's like a lulling I think what's what's with trees sursuration it's, it's just like this ebb and flow oh, and yeah, back and yeah. forth and it's repetitive thing and then I try to smack you across the face with something because now you're not now you're in a now you're in this kind of Homeric verse cycle, and then it's right. But oh there shit, is a yeah. there is a narrator with a consciousness. Yeah, you know, like there is, and and the way it's written would be like when I was uh, writing the thing I'm writing now, which I've been writing for ten years. I've written like many different uh, graphic novel kind of script treatments for, have all kind of. Uh, resembled that in a way where you get poetic and you're given poetic license to talk about what the artist should put in the panel, you know? Yeah. And it's blocked in a way to where it's sequential, but you're, of course, it's, it's, it's a long form narrative. Like it's, it's, it's not like that. It's not broken into panels or anything, but, uh, it just, it screamed at me that like, Oh, like I didn't realize, and thank you for this. I didn't realize that, the way that I was uh, trying to mold the thing that I was doing from graphic novel outline wasn't it of itself almost the narrative that I should have just been writing in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean for for the way I'm writing. So I I wrote those the comics I'm working on with Eric. Mm-hmm. I wrote six years ago and the only reason this came back up is Facebook did one of those two years ago and it was two years ago me bitching about how the comic book never happened oh I remember so that's yeah yeah I've been trying to do it too I wrote these years ago and I just never had an artist to work with but um uh I just I just wrote a vague outline because my my idea with I like to work I want to work with an artist like it's we're both creators of the comic Mm -hmm. um Instead of me going in this panel, like, I don't want a drawing monkey. I want, like, you know, another creator. Absolutely. But that makes total sense because Eric actually commented that, like, my layouts made sense. Like, and I just kind of yeah. wrote it as, like, the thing. So it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe that's just my natural thing. Periphery, when we were just talking earlier, you were mentioning that two of the characters who were major players used to be one. And I yeah. wanted to know, in a narrative structure, when you're working on something like that, what, what, uh, portends you to to do something like that. Well, I just thought of something else too that I should tell you because here is this is how bad I am at mythologizing myself. I totally forgot that periphery. The entire concept of periphery was given to me in a dream one night. What? <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot. Um, That's the initiation right there. Yeah, I, well, because it's one of those things that changed so much since then. But I just remembered. All right, so I had this dream. So. I can't really give it away, but there's a major thing. There's a tree in, right. in Periphery, and I, and I can't give it away. But a thing that happens in the, to the tree in the book, I saw in a dream. And in that dream, there was this kind of uh, black and white uh, girl in a dress near the tree holding a balloon. Holy shit. That was my uh, Hakate vision. Really? Yeah. Oh, crazy. I'm not, yeah. I'm not joking. Oh, well. Yeah. Maybe we're, we're sharing similar, like, distillations of the, you know, of, Universal of consciousness, the Kabbalistic yeah. tree of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or the, the what, what's what's the uh, Akashic library? There where you go. The, where the same, yeah, yeah, the records. Yeah, the Akashic records. Yeah. So uh, Casey Edgar Casey. Yeah. Well, no, I meant, uh, but he was referencing that's an Indian concept of like the you know basically this internet of everything that's ever been known. Right. I thought that's what yeah. the Akashic records. Yeah. No, but I mean it's like an old Indian Vedic thing. Oh, sure, sure. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> so in the original dream, it was this girl in a dress in the yard holding a balloon with this tree. And I painted it. Uh, so if anybody ever goes to alexcast.com, that's like the main website for my podcast. There's the header of it uh, is the girl in the tree. And when I started writing the book, uh, she became a character in it. I mean, she was always a character. But um, the book is set up that like all the characters like interwoven in a kind of a unique pattern. And I realized that 
she was wearing like everybody in the everybody in the book is kind of uh you know almost like metaphors for something else to, right to, I, it's, i'm saying this so vaguely because i don't want to give too much away but they're not necessarily archetypes they're not like uh, no i mean they're, they're representational they're, yeah, yeah yeah in a certain way but um so the girl in the yard who was my absolutely favorite character ended up um, <laughs> needing to do more than she could as a character, so I just I did. She's I, kind of the best character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Callie, yes. who ended up who being obviously in the, in the later book. The name, yeah, like, really ring a lot. Yeah. So, so I had to split them up into the boy in the yard and Callie, right. and it ended up being a really fruitful thing because once they broke into two. I realized the power I had now. So when it was one character, yeah, because they're very different characters. Yeah, like so, very different. But but that's Callie as as the mythological right. concept. They're very, right. She's a creator and a destroyer. Uh, and now not that those two characters. Yeah, are creator one is or very cold. One is yeah. very warm. But yeah. um, so if you have a character that's very densely bound, like there there's there's so much limitation, and that's what their character is almost like. A, um, they do too much. I I don't want to say. Yeah, too much is probably a good word, but I mean, like, even in like a like, if you're like, I don't know, uh, Obi Wan to go to to go back to Star Wars, where sure. there's a lot of complexity there, so there's only so much Obi Wan could do. But right. if you split off Obi Wan's fun loving young side with his old, uh, you know, uh, ascetic ascended master side, right. those two people could do a lot more things. So well, you said, get Luke and Obi Wan. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I had to do with these two is because I realized that this is such a tightly bound character and I love that character and I kind of miss it as being one person. Yeah. But that character can only do certain things because it had so much to it. It was so characterful. So I split into two and now I have this this creepy fucking boy in the yard that speaks with a, like a Tom he, Waits voice. Yeah. And that's then, totally yeah. how I heard it. Well, yeah. it originally was. What? That was originally the line. I went, I can't use that in a book. But that's exactly <laughs> it's Yeah. I think I said he's got a voice like gravel, but I'm like, it was just Tom Waits. I was pictured yeah. the whole time. The but, piano is drink yeah exactly yeah. just imagining that coming out of a child was so beautiful to me yeah. and then the girl the girl in the yard became Callie and she could do so much more now she can have relationships with other characters which were impossible oh and she is yeah. that like perennial archetype she's that like Betty Brant you know in Spider-Man the um, she's like the secretary for J. Jonah Jameson almost I feel like she's a love interest, and she's she's like the the foil to J. Joe and Jameson because she's so like earthly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah uh. I don't know. That was comic nerd shit. No, no, it's 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 accurate. It's just I haven't read a Spider-Man comic in in. Oh, and this is old school. Uh, yeah, no, that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably I think. It was... I don't think Betty Brant is. Uh, maybe she was in the movies. She was in the Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah, and, I think uh, I think about fifteen years since the last time I read a Spider-Man comic, so I was like kind of struggling for the character. But yeah, yeah but she got to do. She got to wear a lot more hats. Also, she got to have a relationship with other characters that yeah. were when with the original thing was she was like almost this Yoda thing with there was. She did what she did, and she was just wise, powerful, and I loved it, but she was just a... She couldn't do things. She couldn't have interactions. She couldn't, like, pay her off with other characters, and I'm so glad I changed it, because certain certain things happened to her towards the end of the book, like, interaction-wise with other characters, and I'm like, oh, this is... I'm so fucking happy that I didn't write this whole goddamn book with, yeah. with the original version of her, because this couldn't happen and I love that this happened and this led to this whole so I mean it comes down to uh, that old adage of you know you know, kill your darlings or whatever right, phrase you yeah. want to use is the you, 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 you cannot be afraid to destroy a thing that's good you know that, that you're enamored with because sometimes yeah. like fucking really lovely lovely beauty can come from it I feel also too in like in this day and age especially with character uh, development um we're hitting a lot of walls, I think, in popular culture with uh, things that are too altruistic, too overpowered, or too whatever, like too easy, not not enough growth, not enough uh, poison in their anecdote, you know? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, we're losing, and yeah. this is not, a, this is the least original thing I'll say, ever say, but like, we're losing gray space, we're losing nuance, and it goes directly to the pol political cycle we're in, is the idea is... We are so incredibly fucking binary, except for in sexual yeah. politics. No one thinks in gray anymore. There's no middle ground. There's no, like, There's character. also a fear, too, you know, because I'm the first one that wants to run around and go, gray Jedi, gray Jedi. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, like, oh, man, the stink of the dark on that 
is a hard thing to shake these days. Yeah, but so. how do you get the Bendu without having they, some kind yes, of Yes, exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and yeah. the Bendu's the exactly. fucking shit. We yeah. are the Bendu. Yeah. 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 I, uh, but, I mean, it's just such a great concept to me. I mean, I've always used, I mean, come on, we are children of Star Wars. We've always used that as the big Joseph Campbell hero's journey thing. I have always That's the only said, reason i ever heard of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you read even fucking Aleister Crowley and they're yeah. like, every, everyone is a star. You know, everyone's Luke Skywalker in their own Star Wars. That's what I've always said. Yeah. It's what everyone always says, right? Because it's true. It's very true. But no one ever talks about, like, splitting the dichotomy. Yeah. You know, no one, everyone's like, would you, everyone, I saw an article the other day that was like, and I, I didn't read it. I just love the headline and forgive me because this is totally what, like poser speak because I didn't read the article. God knows if it was good or not. But the headline was, um, if everyone, if this, if, if this is, if this was Star Wars, everyone would be a Sith. And I totally agree with yeah. that. Because everyone is driven by emotion, you know, and the beyond that, everybody's also just d- d- well, desire for self. Like, exactly, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know, I guess in a way, uh, Jedi is just like this improbable humanistic achievement. It's almost like we none of us can consciously be that. Well, I mean, I think the, the but the idea is and I, that's, mean, I guess that's why it's revered. But it's, but it, it's just Buddhism is it's right, is right. striving is part of it. Like But at yeah. the same time, you know, like I know Buddhists that love, you know. I know Buddhists No, but that, but that's the what but I think that's a downside to the Jedi to actually talk about like just the bad yeah, storytelling. No connections. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah, no, Buddhism fearly yeah, 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 no, you're allowed to love in certain <laughs> kind of Buddhism, but like in the in the kind of not everybody you don't have to be Buddha to be a Buddhist, you know. You don't have to be right, a Jedi. Right, there are many Buddha, Buddhas all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. You know, I love that concept that, you know, there there's a Buddha right now that we know that we just haven't named yet. Yeah. And no. also everybody has their Buddhahood in them. I mean that's yeah. that's kind Buddha of the point. Yeah, yeah, that's that old man Padme Om. Like I'm bowing yeah, to the seat yeah. of the lotus. Like I you know, I'm I'm recognizing this, you know, fantastic thing in you. But now you know, the the thing about like the everybody everybody being Luke Skywalker is um one those would make for terrible stories if everybody was Luke Skywalker, right? And but every everyone feels they are. I mean, yeah, which is but yeah. it, but I think that's problematic. Is, is uh, yeah, yeah, recognition and not to say like oh we need to go back to when there was a peasant class, but like, like serfs, like everybody. But you know, in that like in in this kind of concept of everybody is a star, everybody's a special amazing person. Right. I I love that as a concept for but like self fulfillment. Co- there's a caveat with yeah, that too, and the whole thing is you know stars are light years apart. And the thing is, is that everybody's, yeah. everybody's Luke Skywalker on their own journey, but you're not to intercede or, you know, fuck up anybody else's Star Wars. Yeah, but but <laughs> but everybody being Luke Skywalker, they would have lost if everybody was Luke Skywalker. Right, you know, like, right. I think, know, the, I think more it's it's more of like a cultural yeah. observation, you no, know? But that's the way people think. Isn't yeah. it? But, you know, some, some people do need the, like, in, in the, like, kind of... In the hero's journey kind of concept, I, uh-huh. I like. I mean, this isn't surprising, but like, I'd much rather be Han Solo, where, you know, I like, yeah, the chaotic uh, neutral. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. like, yeah, he has like, he's not just this, this, this thing from a book. This A moves to B, right? B becomes glorious. Even chaotic you know? good seems out of bounds. I mean, yeah. I'm talking in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, uh, ideas like. Uh, I always think about that. Like there is, you know, do you do you know just a good good or like, uh, you know, when it comes to Star Wars, like Han Solo is uh, as a chaotic neutral. It's like yeah. he's on flip of a dime because we all are. Like oh, we need money, motherfucker. We gonna do whatever we need to do. Yeah, I am, yeah. need to go. <laughs> I only know one person that is actually like good. Like and and it's sure. it, and she is like this effulgent, radiant thing to be around that is actually, so, like, kind of... It's kind of gross, where it's like, ah, get away from... Like, you can't be this... Like, it's, it's like, it's... Yeah, I guess yeah. it's in an eye of the beholder, to use a cliche. Like, you're, like, amazing. Like, you're not a human. Like, you're, like, the next evolution of a spiritual animal. Like, this is... This, you know, so, I in, in my 38 years on this planet and knowing, you know, so many fucking people through the podcast and writing and just living my life... I've got one. <laughs> so, yeah, the, our odds aren't great right now. I love you. Thank you very love you, much. Cage. Thank you for having me on. I'm hitting yeah. stop on this machine.
Thanks again to Alex of The Alex Cast. You can read his books. Uh, both he has a short story collection coming. I don't know uh, when he's going to publish that, but please keep updated via Instagram, Facebook. All of those links are in the description below. I want to thank him again for being just such a inspiration, the godfather of pods casting and casting pods. Anyways, um, I wanted to take a quick note. You'll notice in the show notes, there's a link on uh, donating towards Genesis P. Orridge's leukemia fund. Uh, she just recently had a big health scare, and Jason Louv of Ultra Culture is uh, spearheading this campaign to generate some income for her because it is fucking ridiculous that she doesn't have the funds to do so herself for as much as she has contributed to O culture to progressing our culture what we do and what magic and art is in the modern era and it just makes me think of the fates of Nikola Tesla and Austin Osmond Spare fuck even Crowley and how they passed away penniless and it's ridiculous and we've come so far to not help so please donate generously the link is down there uh you can listen to the full unedited alex cast and me cast on patreon i just got done with the crazy big move so more updates to come love you all haunt on